welcome to Birth Medicine Podcast, where we share stories of powerful autonomous birth. Today's dose is given to us by Alex, who shares her five incredible birth journeys. Listen as Alex and her family navigate birthing autonomously in a modern world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope this may be the medicine you need. Okay. I'm so excited that you're here, Alex, to tell your birth stories because we've actually known each other for a long time. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Like since we've been mothers, honestly, Mm -hmm. because we met in a local breastfeeding group in Tucson. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you, I remember one time you saw me at like the little bird consignment (laughs) store. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That was so funny. I still go there Um, all the time. (laughs) Do you? I love that place. Okay. So, um, yeah, if you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself just to introduce yourself. So we, we know whose stories we're listening to. Sure. So, um, I'm Alex and I live in Tucson. I am married to the only man I've ever been with. We started dating 13 years ago, celebrating 10 years married in a couple months, Zachary. Um, and we have five kids. My oldest is seven. And then um, he's, he's a, my son, my oldest son. And then Maddox is five. Lennox is um, almost three. Waverly is a year and a half. And then our newest little one, Revel, is a month old today, actually. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so oh my gosh. We are a super active family. We love being outside, hiking, biking, um, all the sports and all that kind of stuff. So we are loving living in Tucson where that happens year round. <laughs> um, and we're just really excited. I think I want one more kid and I think I'm going to tap out after that. <laughs> nice. Um, I also just like to say that Alex has the best baby names. Um, and it makes me think of you, Rochelle, because Rochelle is also obsessed with baby names. You guys should like compare lists or something. We have baby names. Exactly. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I still like keep a running list on my phone. I'm like, oh, I got I got to save that for next time. Zachary vetoes 99% of them. And then the five that he's ever liked are the ones that we have so far. I was like dying to know this baby's name. Like when she was like, especially once you were like dropping hints about like, oh, it starts with an R. <laughs> then I was like on a mission to figure out like, what is this name? So many people were and not, I cannot I say not one person guessed it. So I was like, I didn't think it was that unique, but oh, I guess it is. <laughs> once you revealed it, I was like, no one guessed that. Like, but it's such a cool name. I love his name. Yeah. I like it too. Okay. I can't wait to hear about his birth story. So (laughs) can you start off by telling us what does free birth mean to you? Yeah. So, um, I think the most important part to me is letting birth unfold and it's most undisturbed, you know, way. And then I think beyond that, it's taking just full autonomy and responsibility for however that happens. Because I think a lot of times if you're birthing in a place of assistance or with medical providers, um, 
you, you have to give some of that responsibility to them. And they know that's what you're paying them for, essentially. Um, free birth is saying, I'm going to let this unfold, however it may, without any outside intervention. And then I'm going to take responsibility as well for how that happens. And it will look different for, for everybody. I love that so much. And it's so, it's so beautiful to hear how different um, your response is from what we've heard so far. Like, that's just, it was very unique. And I, I really love everything you said. Um, so without further ado, if you would love to share with us, Alex, um, where your free birth journey begins and you can just jump in wherever you feel. Sure. Is. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, my first two kids were, were hospital births and I think they were really what pushed me with my third, fourth and fifth to, to completely change my birthing plans. Um, my first son was due, I remember December 27th. Um, and I was finishing up my last semester of college. I was 21 and I was, so that, that meant that I was getting off my parents' insurance as soon as I graduated on December 31st at midnight, there was no, there was no more health insurance. So, um, I really felt like the only option was induction. Um, and looking back, obviously that's not the only option. Um, but to feel like, okay, either I, you know, do this without an induction and then have this enormous bill that I can't pay or I induce and then have it covered under our, our healthcare plan. It was really, it still frustrates me so much that that's like a make or break. Like we could not have paid that bill. Um, so we did decide to go in for an induction on December 29th. And I don't regret it, but it definitely is still brings up like a lot of pain because I feel like now that I know what birth can look like, I'm like, oh, I should have had a much better experience than I did. It, I mean, it was not horrible. It was kind of your standard hospital introduction, induction went in, started the Pitocin. And I think I maybe got an epidural a couple hours later. And then he was born like three hours later. So it was really five hours about from start to finish. And that brings me a little bit of peace knowing like, okay, I feel like he was at least getting close to being ready to be born because it was so quick and it was a fairly easy birth as far as, you know, an induction with an epidural can go. Um, and Zachary was able to catch him, which was pretty cool. Um, and really after that, I thought, okay, well, that's just, that's, that's birth. You go in, you listen to, you know, them tell you the instructions. And, um, I really thought that that was as good as it got. And then when I got pregnant with my second, um, we, we didn't have any need to induce. So I was really excited that I was like, okay, I'm going to feel what, what actual labor feels like when it starts on its own. Um, and so Kingston, my first was born, um, two days past 40 weeks. 
So I was really anticipating, <laughs> um, you know, a longer pregnancy, at least 40, 41, even 42 weeks. Um, so with Maddox, I woke up early one morning and I started getting ready to go to the gym. I always went to the gym before work. So it was probably like five 30 in the morning. And, um, my husband was kind of watching me as I was getting ready and was noticing that I was having contractions. And he was like, Hey, I think, um, think things are go, you know, getting started. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. So I like start to try to leave. And he's like, just wait, just like, it's okay. If you're late to work, it's not a big deal. Um, but in my mind, punctuality is everything. So I was like, I can't be late to work. Um, but I stayed for a little bit. Contractions were crazy intense, two minutes apart. And I was still trying to walk out the door. I was like, no, this is not, this is not happening. And he's like, no, you're, you're having a baby. So um, Kingston was 21 months old at the time. So we went to the same hospital that I had him at. Um, and then I think I had him like an hour later after we got there. Um, and this time it was really incredible. I had this incredible OBGYN that I still love, who was very much like a grandmotherly type um, and super hands-off. And when we got there, um, it was just me and Zachary and Kingston and Kingston was nursing. Um, and that made contractions, of course, intense. Things moved quickly. Then um, we sent him to the waiting room with our parents. And then um, I got into the shower in the, the bathroom with Zachary. And then um, my water broke. And while I was standing there, and that was the first time I'd ever felt that because with my first birth, um, it was broken for me. And it was so cool. Like we both looked at each other, just had huge smiles. Like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. So um, from there, I was like, oh no, this baby is coming out. So I went to um, the bed and I stood on it. And at one point the OBGYN walked in and she sat up, <laughs> she sat at the edge of the bed and just said, do whatever you want to do. And literally sat there with her hands crossed and watched like with the biggest smile on her face while I stood up, pushed Maddox out in a half a second, Zachary caught him and put him on my chest. Um, and then we just kind of sat in bed after a whirlwind labor. Um, and then the doctor was like, all right, great. She, I don't think she touched either of us. She was there for like six minutes. And then she's like, well, you clearly don't need me. And then left and was like, wow that was really great. Like that's way better than the first time. Um, so that I feel like was the ideal experience for a hospital. Um, and I was really craving, like having that experience again. I loved every moment of it. Um, we brought Kingston in and I was, you know, nursing them both right away. And everyone was truly in awe. Like you could tell none of the nurses there had ever seen a birth like that. They'd never seen, you know, someone stand up, a husband catch the baby, you know, anything like that. Like they were in awe. I'm like, well, that just felt like so right. Like that's what everyone should experience. So we started trying for baby number three 
maybe two months later, which sounds a little crazy when I say it out loud, but <laughs> we, I, you know, I, I know we wanted them close together. Um, and I got pregnant maybe a few months later. And, um, unfortunately, um, that baby did not make it. Um, I miscarried him or her at about eight weeks and at work. And it was just like, Heart, the most heart-wrenching thing I've ever experienced because I was you know sitting at my desk trying to work and I just like immediately felt the cramping in the blood and I was like oh no this this baby's not going to stay with us here on earth so um we kind of just dealt with that at home um I didn't go see a provider or anything and I conceived again the very next cycle um and at about 11 weeks, the same thing happened, the cramping and bleeding. I was at home with um, my boys and my um, niece and nephew. And this time was a lot harder because at 11 weeks, you know, it's a very formed baby. Um, and it wasn't just like a clot of blood that the first time looked like. This was much more real um so a lot harder um and after that i thought okay i don't i don't want to try to have another baby right now i i my heart can't take it so um we actually ended up making a big life change i got a new job in san diego um so we moved there and i started uh, the police academy there and you know we decided okay, let's, let's focus on my career first. Um, and then we'll revisit what, you know, what our family will look like in a little bit after I have time to heal. And, um, we plan and God laughs apparently because about six weeks into the Academy, I got pregnant with baby number three, Lennox. Um, but I was our income. My husband was stay-at-home parent while we were there. Um, so I hid that pregnancy and finished out the academy. Um, I think I was about maybe 18 to 20 weeks when I graduated and I told not a soul. Um, I think they just thought I was like really out of shape because I spent most of the day puking and like you know, we would do a hundred push-ups, and then that I'd be puking in the bathroom and then they're like, Oh wow. New, <laughs> you know, new to this fitness thing. And I was like, so, so sick. I told one person and he kind of covered for me when we were doing drills and I had to, you know, hide from our, <laughs> our TOs, but, um, I graduated and then that's when I, you know, kind of said, Hey, I have to be on light duty. Um, so I finished out that pregnancy working light duty at the, um, department. Oh, sorry. Um, and at about, hmm, I want to say, okay. So after I graduated, I could actually go see a provider. So I went and saw an OBGYN in San Diego and I left our first appointment bawling because, it, she was just very condescending and she was very young, probably a little younger than me. No kids. Not that that means you, you know, don't have anything important to, to add, but you know, she just 
her qualifications, quote unquote, put her far above and superior than anything that I had ever experienced in my body. Um, it was very clear that she did not trust me or my experiences, my baby, my body, nothing. Um, so at about that time, Joe had Caius and um, we kind of started being more in touch about that birth story. And I was just um, really interested, sorry, um, in that way of birthing. And that's when I kind of started getting my hands on every birth story I could read. And that's when it clicked for me that that experience that I had in the hospital with Maddox, where I got to birth, you know, very hands-off and my husband got to catch our baby, like that was never going to happen again. And that is not the norm. And I would probably never get to experience that, especially with this OBGYN that I had you know, been in contact with. So I started talking to Zachary, my husband about, Hey, we should, you know, look into this, this free birth thing. And he was like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> Just, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah. It's so funny. And we kind of laughed it off. And, but I, it was that, that thing in your mind is like, I cannot, I can't get it out of my head. I was reading and listening to and watching every birth story I could find. Um, and I was doing a lot of different kinds, like, um, okay, here's a hospital birth. Here's, um, you know, a home birth with a midwife. Here's a water birth. Here's a, um, birth, a birth uh, center. And the only thing that I wanted to be was I wanted to be, you know, in, in my own power. Um, and that's what really started me on this journey. So. I would say probably about 34 weeks, I went in for another appointment and um, the obese kind of started asking me, okay, like what's the plan here? And I went in with the intention of stumping her, I guess, like, okay, what would you do if this happened? Or what would you, you know, what if babies breach or what if we go blah, blah, blah. Um, and she kind of answered everything right I guess sorry <laughs> um but we left and my husband was like what what did you think of that appointment and um I said I think she was just saying all the right things but when it comes sorry let me okay so anyways at 34 weeks is when we had that appointment um she answered my questions in a way that I, I guess I had wanted her to, but I didn't trust her. And I didn't trust that she meant that. And I didn't trust that when it came down to it, she would actually be as respectful as she was making herself to seem. And that's what I told my husband and we left and he looked at me and he said, why do you keep, why, why do we keep playing this game where you think you're going to go to the hospital? Like you want to have a free birth. Why, like, why not just commit to it? And I was just like, damn, okay. <laughs> like he saw me so, so clearly in that moment. I was like, oh, I love you. Um, so at that point I was like, you're right. I don't understand why I, I'm going through the motions when I don't want this and I, it's not right for us. So from then on, it was 
you know, that was the plan. Now, at this point, I was still working um, for the city and they had a very strict policy for maternity leave where you needed um, proof of birth within 24 hours of having the baby. So basically you have to have the medical provider send over to the HR department so they can, you know, kickstart your maternity leave and you can get paid. So that was kind of something that we decided we needed to work around because, you know, we weren't going to go into for the actual birth, but I still needed documentation right away. So um, our plan was to have baby at home and then go to the hospital, kind of like a, oh, baby came so fast kind of thing, um, to get the documents and then leave. So um, that doesn't work for everybody, but in this case, it was actually phenomenal. So at probably around 34, 35 weeks is when that good old prodromal labor started. And the first night that it happened, contractions were probably two to three minutes apart, intense, like hands and knees. I could not sleep. I could not breathe for probably about eight hours. And I just remember thinking, no, like I just decided that I want to have this baby at home, but I'm too early. Like I'm not, I'm not comfortable birthing a 34 week baby at home, 30 minutes away from a hospital. I'm just not. And I thought, oh no, like now I can't, I can't do this. Now I have to go. Um, but when the sun came up, uh, kind of fizzled out and I was like, okay, all right, we, we made it. And it was honestly like that every night for the next probably six weeks um, where I would get home. So my, my shift at work was from noon to 10 p.m. And I worked probably like 30 miles away. So I would get home, Zachary would have the kids in bed and um, I would usually have contractions starting, you know, towards the end of my shift. And then they would fizzle out by like four or five in the morning. I'd sleep for a couple hours and then get up and, you know, go to work again. So I was just done. I was, I still, ha I've had severe HG with all of my pregnancies and it goes to the very end. So I was puking constantly, not eating, not sleeping. I was just like, I you know, towards the end, you just don't really think you can do it anymore. And I truly believed like I, I'm going to cut this baby out myself if she does not come. So right uh, actually on her due date of May 3rd, I woke up around 6 a.m. and I had bloody show. And this was the first time I've ever had bloody show. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I've never seen this before. So I, you know, my hopes were kind of up after that point. So I went to work, you know, I had kind of sporadic, intense contractions throughout the day, but nothing really timeable. And then at about maybe 9 p.m. It was like the intensity flipped a switch and they were two minutes apart and just unbearable. So I text Zachary, I'm like, hey, it's probably nothing, but here's what's happening. He tried me to get, tried to tell me to come home from work early, which I would I would never do. <laughs> because again, punctuality, staying on time, you know, being on time, staying at work, that was that's my thing. 
So I finished out my shift at the, at the station and then started driving home. It was probably about 30, 45 minute drive, depending on traffic, California. And I got a couple miles from our apartment. And yes, this was an apartment. And that was something I was worried about too, because a lot of people shared stories where they were in a home and they had a lot of space. I was in an apartment. I was like, oh no, I hope I'm not too loud or like the neighbor, you know, the neighbors are really close by. So that was a concern, but they really shouldn't have been. It was great. So I get um, a couple miles from our apartment and I call Zachary. I said, I cannot walk. You have to meet me at our car and you have to carry my stuff in. I had a, um, like a yoga ball that I was sitting on in the office at work. And I'm so glad I remembered to grab it as I was leaving. So that, I think that's when he knew like, okay, now we are, we're getting ready to have a baby because I, I don't remember driving home. I don't know how I got home. It was purely autopilot and I parked and Zachary was there and carried my stuff in as I hobbled to the stairs to get, you know, cause why would we be on the bottom floor? I had to go up the stairs to get on the second, our second story apartment. Um, stopped a couple times along the way to kind of work through the contractions. Um, but then once we got inside, um, we just kind of got our, our space set up. And um, at this time, I wasn't really deep into like the free birth community as far as social media goes, where there's all these, I don't know, like lists of things you need. You got to have this, you got to have this and, and supplies and tinctures and all that. So our birth kit had plastic tablecloth, a soft blanket, which was from the dollar store. I just put it over the tablecloth. So it wasn't like sweating on plastic. <laughs> um, a bowl. <laughs> And I think that's really it. Some towel, like extra towels and washcloths that we didn't mind throwing away. Um, but that was it. And that was perfect. That's, we've never needed anything else. So I, it was really cool to see, you know, it, it cost me $4 for this, <laughs> to have this birth. And it was the most magical experience. So we got it all set up, laid the tablecloth down, um, and then one thing I always remind Zachary to do that I did the first time and I will always continue, put some towels and blankets in the dryer. So you can push start when I'm feeling pushy and we've got warm, <laughs> warm blankets because I'm always freezing. I'm freezing during labor. Like I was draped in blankets. I thought I was gonna be hot and sweaty. I was so cold. So I was in and out of the bathtub, the shower, um, no birth pool. We just used our bathtub and you know, contractions were truly two minutes apart from the get-go. So I'm going to put active labor starting for that one about 9.30 p.m. And we just listened to music. We sang, we worshiped, we danced, we sat in the bath. Like it was really great. It was just the two of us. And I had prepared my older boys by watching a lot of videos together. And, you know, so here's what birth looks like. Here's what it sounds like. Here's what it, there might be blood. There might not be blood. There might be this and that. So 
they were prepared and um, I had initially wanted them to be there, but when I look back, I'm really glad that it was just Zachary and me for this first time because they slept the whole time. <laughs> and um, it was just the two of us kind of navigating this new experience together and it was beautiful. So by about 6 a.m. on May 4th, it had been, you know, nine hours of two minutes apart contractions and I was so tired and I really thought babies just fall out after the first time. Like Maddox was so quick. It was under four hours and I didn't even know I was in labor for most of it. So when this had lasted this long and I was up all night, I was like, this, this is not how it's supposed to be. Like we have these supposed to's in our head of what we think it's going to look like. And it didn't look like that. Um, but never once did any doubt enter my mind about what I wanted to do and where I wanted to birth. And speaking to my husband afterwards too, he felt the same way. Like we were both kind of nervous leading up to it, but once we were in it, there was nothing but peace about our decision. Um, so at about 6.20, things shifted. And that's when I will say that's transition because I felt like I was dying. Um, I became more vocal. I'd been pretty quiet the whole time. And I just remember thinking, I am so tired. I have, I have to sleep. So I told Zachary, um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go to bed and we'll, we'll do this another day. Um, and he was like, okay, sure. We will we'll take your time. So, and I had a, a contraction, a transition contraction. And then I laid in my bed and I fell asleep for one to two minutes and then another contraction and I shot out of bed, worked through it and then laid back down, took a nap. So we did that for a couple of contractions and Zachary described it to me later as a, like a light switch. Like I would be up roaring through a contraction and then I would lay down and be snoring like dead asleep. Um, and I had heard of that happening in during transition and it was just wild to experience it because I, I truly felt like I had slept for hours after, you know, a minute. Um, and then I was leaning over the bed. Um, I spent a lot of time like leaning over the ball or leaning over the bed. That's what felt most comfortable. And then Zachary could have access for like counter pressure. And I felt like, um, I needed to push and this was confusing to both of us because, um, in the past it had been water break, push baby out, but, um, my water hadn't broken at this point. And so I leaned over the bed and I was like, I, my, my, it's pushing, it's happening. And Zachary was kind of kneeling beside me and looking just to see what was happening down there. And then like water balloon pop between my legs, splashing him and the ground. <laughs> and he jumped back. Like we have it on video. I will have to send it to you guys. <laughs> um, he jumped back and like for a split second, I truly thought that that feeling was the baby and that he had dropped her. So I like turn around to see where she was, but she, she was still inside of me. He, it was just my water. And we both 
were laughing pretty hard because um, it was very funny. And he doesn't learn from that experience as you'll see in the next couple of births. But um, so that was at 623 that my water broke. And then um, there was a, a break from contractions up after that. It was just on top of each other. Um, and it was just that that very primal feeling of like you're trying to escape the pain. So I was like, okay, I'm leaning over the bed, I'm kneeling, I'm laying in the bed, I'm, you know, but nothing felt at that point, nothing makes it feel better. It's just, you're just in it and you have to go through it. So um, at that point, he kind of rushed over to start the towels in the dryer. We knew things were happening. Um, and then I leaned over standing and again, my body just kind of pushed and out came her head. Um, Zachary had her head and then I maybe had like a minute break. Um, and then her shoulders kind of slid out one at a time. Um, I think there was a slight dystocia, but I very intuitively got into like a lunge, like runner position. And then they kind of popped out one at a time. And then she had her umbilical cord across her shoulder and her chest, like a seatbelt. And, um, so she came out like to her waist and then Zachary kind of pulled the cord off her shoulder and then the rest of her just slid out right away. And then I turned around and sat and had a baby on my chest. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. Um, I very much had that birth pause where I was still, I hadn't returned to my body yet. Um, and then I was like, oh, wow, here's a baby. So I would say maybe a minute or two, she was a little gurgly. And then like, she let out a really big cry. Um, Zachary went and woke up our boys. They were four and two at the time. So they came in with like the biggest smiles to meet their little sister. Um, her name's Lennox and we call her Lenny. Um, yeah, so it was just like beautiful. And she started nursing right, right away. And, um, another job that I gave Zachary was to remind me about the placenta because with Kingston, that was the induction with the epidural. They ripped it out of me and, um, still mad about it <laughs> And then with Maddox. Um, the placenta literally slid out like after his feet, um, and with Lennox, I sat there and nursed her for a while. And about 30 minutes later, Zachary's like, Hey, let's check in. How's the placenta? How do you feel? Very little blood loss. Um, and I kind of got into a squat position and I could immediately tell like it hadn't detached. Um, so I was like, eh, it's not ready. So I sat back down, nursed her some more, and then probably maybe another 20, 30 minutes passed. Um, we checked in again and I, I got into a squat and I could feel that it had detached and it was just like sitting, you know, at the, <laughs> at the, um, vaginal opening. So I just kind of rocked a little bit, gave a little tug and it just slid right out into the, to the bowl. And we nursed, got into bed. I kind of rinsed off in the shower. Um, she did great nursing for probably about an hour or two and then we were like okay we gotta get to our go get our paperwork done which was kind of a real bummer but um I don't I, I think that was the best decision for us I think um 
we ended up maybe going two or three hours after birth. Um, I put like a little sleeper on her with snaps and then left the middle undone. So we had like an umbilical cord and she was in the car seat with that. And then I sat next to her with the, the placenta in my lap. And that's how I walked into the hospital with like a baby right here and then like a bulb placenta right here. Um, and the first desk was like a security guard and then they're supposed to like direct you to labor and delivery. <laughs> so he was like, I know I did not get paid enough. No one prepared me enough for, for this crazy lady with her two children, a baby in her hand and a placenta bowl in the other, like in a diaper walking towards my desk at nine o'clock in the morning. Um, so he directed us upstairs to labor and delivery. We had called beforehand and we're like, Hey, you know, baby came really quickly. We're on our way with, you know, the baby and we just want documentation. And we made it very clear from the beginning. Like I'm, we're not hanging out here. We're not, you know, I don't want anything from you, but this paperwork. Um, so they got us into a room, like a birthing room first. And, um, I think, I don't, I don't remember anyone touching either of us, to be honest with you. Um, I know they looked at the placenta and we cut the cord there. So maybe three or four hours that we left it attached. Um, and I felt good about that because I wanted to wait, you know, several hours to make sure all of that good blood was in her. And then um, they moved us to a postpartum room and we had the most phenomenal nurse. I told her, I said, I don't, I don't want anything from you. I don't want you to touch me. I want you to massage my fundus. I don't want you to touch my baby. We're here to get paperwork and that's it. And she was like, I got you. So she put Black Panther on for the kids to watch. We ordered a meal like every hour from the hospital. And I can honestly say I would go there and like eat on a date. Like the food was that good. <laughs> Um, so we just ate all day nursed and then she was kind of in and out, you know, Hey, refill my water and whatnot. Um, and then I, it took a while to get paperwork, which I was expecting. So we were end up, end up being there for, I want to say six hours. So by the time it was kind of, okay, we've got what we need. We've filled out the paperwork. I said, you can discharge us or we, what we're leaving regardless. We'll, you know, we'll sign the AMA. Um, but we are not, we're not hanging out. We're not staying the night. And they discharged me right away. They were like, yeah, we don't need you. And then she was like, I have to send in someone to discharge the baby. I said, fine. If they want to discharge us, they can, but again, we're leaving regardless. Um, so this was the only person that was horrible <laughs> to us. Um, they sent in a nurse practitioner from NICU and she just came in like, really looking for something wrong. You know, she's like, we have to check this and that, um, because I can't, you know, I can't discharge you with this. And I, I took it as a challenge. I said, fine, check the temperature, check the diapers. What the baby is fine. And I want to prove to you that we did not need any of you here. Um, so she obviously checked everything. Everything was perfect. Um, and then she's like, we definitely still want you to stay. So we're not staying. She said, I just want you to know that if your baby's going to die, it's going to be within 24 hours of birth. And I said, you pulled that out of your ass right now. No, it's not happening. I mean, like, you don't get to make up statistics. Um, 
So she very reluctantly discharged, <laughs> discharged Lennox. Um, but I, that was, I feel like we still got very lucky with how we were treated despite that 30 minutes of her being rude. Um, everyone was super great and understanding of what we wanted and no one was pushy except for her. <laughs> so considering I'll take it and, um, we got everything we needed and then I got paid for maternity leave, which was all, <laughs> all we really needed. Um, so that was our first experience with uh, an unassisted birth and after that it was like there's no question I will never give birth you can't pay me to give birth in a hospital again like there's no question that that was what I've been craving all along when it comes to birth um so of course after Maddox was born we had about two years and two miscarriages in between those uh, Maddox and Lennox. So I thought, well, we've got, you know, we have to start trying. <laughs> we have to start trying now if we want them to be, you know, I, I try to aim for like 16 to 18 months apart, which maybe is crazy, maybe it's not. <laughs> but, um, but of course we got, we conceived Waverly on the first cycle <laughs> after my cycle returned. Um, so that's why our girls are about 13, 14 months apart. Um, and with Waverly, baby number four, that was my first completely wild pregnancy. And, um, so at that point it became very clear that this new job in law enforcement was not, wasn't the right time. <laughs> um, I became the stay-at-home parent and Zachary went back to work and I let's see here we we had moved to San Diego with just the two boys we had two kids now we're in San Diego in an 800 square foot apartment and about to have our about, about to have our fourth and that's when the pandemic started and um I was probably about 30 weeks along and we had already made the decision that we were going to move back to Tucson um, because we wanted to buy a house and we just weren't going to be able to afford it in California with the size that we wanted and the location we wanted. So we had already decided that and then the world started to shut down and there was, it was a Thursday, remember, we were listening to the news and it was like, okay, think, you know, you, it's the stay at home orders are in effect. Businesses are closed. Everything's kind of shutting down. And we just kind of made a decision in the middle of the night that we're going to leave and we're going to go to Tucson. <laughs> so the next morning, um, Zachary took about three or four hours to go find a moving truck. And I started packing up everything we owned with me and the three kids at home. He got home, we packed up the truck. So I would, from the time we decided we were moving to us being on the road was like 10 hours. We got everything in that truck and uh, headed to our in-laws in Tucson. And we're, you know, very, very blessed that we had family that we could stay with while we tried to find a house um, to buy. And, um, but we just thought that, you know, we don't know, we, I think we were gonna move anyway in like maybe three or four weeks 
And we just thought, well, in three weeks, what if we can't find a moving truck? Or what if like interstate travel is restricted? Or what if, I don't know, what if we're stuck? <laughs> we're stuck here. Um, so I think it, it was the right decision. And, and it was great because we had family that we could lean on. And, but with that, we got to Tucson, we were living with my in-laws and then we were really struggling to find a house as many people were during that time. Like they were just going so fast. And by the time I got to like 36 weeks, I thought, oh no, I have to give birth in my in-laws bathtub. Like this is so stressful. <laughs> I don't like, I love them. We get along great, but I, you know, I, I want to be home. I want to be at my home. Like in my space with my things. And I was just so panicky, but we, uh, we did end up finding a house. Um, we moved in, I think it was about 38, 39 weeks. And then, um, because I wasn't stressed enough, I decided that we would need to redo all the bathrooms and the kitchen and the laundry room. So <laughs> we just did that for fun. And, um, I finished everything. Well, Zachary did a huge part of it. I, I will not take all the credit. He, I have the vision and he executes. <laughs> um, but by the time I was about, see, I don't really have a due date with her because my cycle had not returned fully and I wasn't tracking anything. I wasn't expecting to get pregnant. So I'm going to say my due date was probably around June maybe 15th through 20th, somewhere around there. Um, and with Waverly, I did not have any prodromal labor towards the end. So I actually felt really good. Even though it was a longer pregnancy, I didn't feel like I could give birth at any moment. So it didn't feel as long at the end. Um, so I would say probably about 41 weeks or so is when early labor kind of started to kick in where, you know, I would have contractions throughout the day throughout the night, nothing, you know, crazy, like, um, it was with Lennox, but just, you know, things were happening and she was low and things were dilating. And then probably around June 27th, um, I would say that was the first day that I felt like, okay, we're really getting close to having this baby because I was having really intense contractions and, you know, they would, they would stick around for hours at a time. Um, and then the 28th, I had Zachary stay home from work and rent, oh gosh, I sound so crazy when I say this, and rent a trailer and then drive to Phoenix to pick up a couch that I wanted um, because we needed a new couch. So he went to do that and then we unloaded it and like carried it over our back wall and pressure washed it in our backyard. And um, again, I was like, I don't even feel like I'm going to have a baby anytime soon. Like I was having contractions, but it didn't feel like, I mean, I was mad. I was like, this should have, I should have a baby at this point because I've been carrying couches and pressure washing things all day, but no. And then the next day, June 29th was our anniversary. So we went on a date and didn't really have anything happening that day. And then June 30th, um, about three, about three in the morning, I was dreaming that I was having a contraction but it was actually a contraction and I shot out of bed like like someone had just stabbed me in the throat like I 
sat there, worked through it. And then I think we both looked at each other. We're like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. We're, we're doing this right now today. So I, oh gosh, almost dropped you. Um, so we got the bathtub going and then I went to the bathroom and there's bloody show. And I was really excited because with Lennox, when I had that bloody show, I had her within 24 hours. So I was like, okay, things are, things are going to happen soon. So I labored and they were about two or three minutes apart for the first couple hours. And then they really spread out. Um, and it was probably the most like peaceful and enjoyable labor. I had my best friend Beth there and then my little sister Addie there. And we had the birth pool out on my back patio. So I was in there like floating around. We were telling stories and eating smoothies and, you know, just laughing and hanging out. Like it was so, the contractions were intense, but in between it was just another day. And the kids were awake running around, like they were watching movies and playing Nerf guns. And it was just like life happening around us. And it was so fun. Um, and then I went to put Lennox down for a nap. Um, so she, I was nursing her and that's when things kind of intensified. Um, so she went to sleep and then that's when I decided I really wanted to be in my bedroom, kind of retreated to like my cave instead of being out and about and around the house. Um, so I was in the bathtub, kind of set up our space again with the tablecloth and the blanket in my bedroom. Um, Lennox woke up and then came in and was nursing. And that's when transition kind of came out of nowhere, where I want to say it was about one or two o'clock in the afternoon on June 30th that things really got intense. And I was not able to find any relief and even the bathtub wasn't helping the shower wasn't helping like nothing was working and this lasted for like two hours <laughs> and towards the end I was like no this can't be right because because when I got into this state of mind or this stage with Lennox like she was born within five minutes like why why is this happening <laughs> Um, but then finally I kind of got that feeling of push being pushy again. And I leaned over the bed and my dear husband, Zachary, once again, popped his little head down there as if he didn't, he didn't know what was going to happen. And Lennox was down there too. So Lennox was about 13, 14 months at the time. And they were both kind of looking down there and then pop splash. Everyone jumped back. We also have this on video. <laughs> And he's in the video, he goes, Jesus, again. And it just kills me every time I watch it. So um, he started the dryer with the towels. I had Beth there, who's my best friend, but also an incredible photographer. So she just kind of started snapping pictures. So we have um, the emergence of Waverly, like just incredibly detailed and photographed. Um, I again started, I've birthed in the same position every time I started standing, leaning over the bed, um, her head came out and then I got into like a kneeling again, like runner's pose lunging position. So I'm wondering if I have, I just have some sticky shoulders because that always is like what gets the shoulders out. 
Um, and so she slid right out. Zachary caught her. I turned around. She, uh, he put her on my chest. Um, now I will say with her, it wasn't um, a worry of mine in the moment, but when I look back, like her head was out maybe two or three minutes before like the next contraction came and her body came out. Um, and I just love how nobody in the room, um, my sister, Beth, Zachary, the kids were all there. Um, nobody said a word to me and nobody was like, you know, get her out, push, you know, what probably would have happened in a place of assistance when there is that pause. Um, but I felt awesome. And I think that because I felt so calm and I knew we were both doing this dance exactly how it should be done. No one felt the need to like, I don't know, say, even say a word, which I love that. Um, so when she came out, it was so sweet. She um, kind of gurgled a little bit. I patted her back and she spit up a little mucus. And then um, I laid her on my chest. She gave out one little like, ah, like a little cry. And then she just fell asleep immediately. <laughs> and it was just so precious because you could tell like we were both exhausted <laughs> and um, even she was exhausted after all that. Um, so again, we climbed into bed. I hadn't delivered the placenta yet. I would say, again, it was about an hour later. Um, and both, actually all three of my free births there's almost zero blood until the placenta. And then there's like a little bit, but I do not bleed that much, which I think is cool to look at pictures because you do see a lot of pictures with like a cool, you know, the bloody bathtub or the blood on the legs, which I think are beautiful. And then you see mine and it literally just looks like I spilled water under my legs. So I think it's interesting to see like how much variation there can be in the fluids. Um, but that placenta came out really wonderfully easy, easily. Um, my dear friend Beth like washed it for me and we examined it. And um, it's just cool that like the first time uh, with Lennox, Joe, I, I texted you a picture of my placenta. Cause I was like, I don't really, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be looking for. And you were like, it looks great, it looks beautiful. And then with Waverly, I was like, I got this. I know what a placenta looks like. I'd never seen it before. So it's cool to like see how much more confident I was this time around. Um, and then this was a totally wild pregnancy and I was a stay at home mom. I didn't have any need to go anywhere. So it was great to just hole up in bed. Um, for Waverly, we had a, like a family practitioner, a naturopath come and did her newborn checkup and she's fabulous. Um, she's in Tucson and she did Waverly's and then my fifth rebels. She comes and she basically does a little well check. And then she writes a, a letter to vital statistics for us on behalf of us and says, um, you know, I'm Dr. So-and-so I can attest to the immediate health and birth of this baby. Please reach out if you have any, you know, any questions or anything. And that has made getting the birth certificate and social security number, like completely flawless. So that's one option. I know a lot of people are always worried about that at the end. Like, ah, how do I get the, how do I get the documents? Um, that's what I've found has been really, really easy for us. Um, so yeah, so that was Waverly and, um, again, I was tandem nursing. So that was my second 
tandem nursing journey. And then I was already ready to start trying again for baby number five, not too long after. Um, but my sisters and I were going to Vegas for my sister's 40th birthday. So I promised I wouldn't be pregnant for our Vegas, <laughs> Vegas trip. So I could go out with them and like drink and have fun. <laughs> so, but at the cycle after I got home from Vegas, I got pregnant again with, um, number five. So we really, we really planned that out well. Um, so I, oh, and I forgot to mention with, um, Waverly and now my fifth Revel, I did the sneak peek at home blood test to find out the sex, um, because I personally, I'm not interested in ultrasound. Um, and they've been right both times. <laughs> so I know you can, you can mess them up, but so, so far so good. Um, so we knew that number five was going to be a boy and, um, Again, pregnancy, I guess I haven't really talked too much about my pregnancies, but I always have really bad HG and this, my fifth was the worst by far. I was just like, I couldn't keep anything down and I don't weigh myself, um, but I can tell that I, I lose weight at the beginning, pretty, a, a good amount um, just from not being able to eat and throwing up everything that I ate. So this was the first pregnancy that I was like, Oh, maybe I don't want to do this again. Um, I definitely do, but, <laughs> but this was the first time where I thought maybe I needed a little bit longer of a break. <laughs> um, so it was, uh, other than that, it's a pretty good pregnancy. I, I work out a lot during pregnancy and do a lot of, um, fitness, like, fitness goals and weightlifting and stuff. And I think that's really benefits my body. So besides the, the HD during this pregnancy, um, it was good. It, it's very active and, um, it was more of a winter pregnancy. So my last two pregnancies were summer and it's nice to have, like, not be sweating profusely all day, every day. Um, so he was due on and I knew my due date this time I was tracking religiously and I was very sure of ovulation and all that. Um, so his due date was December 29th, which is my first birthday, uh, my first son's birthday. And, um, we were all kind of hoping that's when he would come. We thought it would be cool. And, um, very much like Joe and, uh, her birth with Haven, it was due, he was due right around Christmas and I thought, wow, this is going to be great. We're going to have Christmas lights and a tree up and matching Christmas pajamas. And um, Revel said, um, hell no, we are not, we're not doing that. I'm not going to do that. So those birth aspirations came and went. Um, by the time I reached probably about 38 weeks is when I got into that state of, Oh, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be pregnant anymore. I'm still puking constantly. I feel like his head is going to fall out of me at any moment. I could literally stick a finger up my vaginal canal, like two inches and tickle his head. 
And I didn't understand why he thought, why he was still in there. Like there's no, you can't get any closer to the exit and without being out. Um, so yeah, I was definitely, there was a lot more rage at the end of this pregnancy than any others. And of course, I've, you know, I feel like pregnancy gets exponentially harder with each child because you've got one more child to take care of. And, you know, my girls are still toddlers themselves. Like I was just so tired wasn't sleeping. And then, so his, his due date passed Christmas, Christmas passed. Um, I just, it, it blew my mind because I, on, I truly felt like I was in labor or I was going to have him at any moment for a month. So like it, it rocked my world because it was hard. It was hard to get to that point of pregnancy and feel all those symptoms and feel all those emotions and those hormones and not have a baby when it's, I mean, it's hard not to have expectations surrounding what, what your birth will look like. And it's hard not to think, okay, well, I've, this has happened in, in the past when this happened and this happened and then I had a baby and that none of those things were happening. And, um, you know, kind of we had a lot of, it was, it was a busy season. We've got birthdays and Christmas and all these things. And it was just like, life was going on. I couldn't take a break. I couldn't, you know, it's not like I, I can have just Zachary stay home from work forever and just wait for me to have a baby. Like we have to eat and pay for our electric bill. Like we couldn't just hold up, which I wanted to. Um, so he did end up taking off a couple of days, like around new year's because he could tell that I was very quickly losing my mind. So that was really helpful for him to just give me a couple of days for me to like, okay, let's regroup. Let's, let's get back and, you know, get a little bit more under control and then push till the end. <laughs> so, um, I think it on January 8th or 9th, I texted both of you and I was like, there's bloody mucus is coming out of me. I've never been more excited to see this snot out of my vagina before in my life. Like there's definitely something happening. There's a baby coming very soon. And it was soon, but not as soon as I expected, because again, I had bloody show with the girls and with Lennox, I had her 24 hours later with Waverly. It was 12 hours later. I was like, okay, well, of course he will be here you know, today, tomorrow, somewhere around there. And he did once again, did not come. And I was like, this is just, so, this is just silly at this point. Like, this is, this is ridiculous. This is too long. So I got to 42 weeks. Um, and I really, truly, I just didn't think it would happen. I'm like, I know people carry that long. I know it happens and I know it's possible and I know it's totally normal but it wasn't normal for me. And I didn't want it to be, that wasn't, I didn't want that to be my story. So, um, 42 weeks. Exactly. I kind of had a busy day. Um, Zachary was at work. I was just kind of updating him. That was another thing that was really stressing me out was he was at work every day and you know, he was a good 45 minute drive away. And with me feeling like, how low he was. I was like, he's going to, he's going to come out within 10 minutes. Like you're not going to make it. 
So that was another stressor for me was that he wasn't going to make it home. And of course, I've had all this pre-labor symptoms for a month. Like, I don't know when to tell you to come home. I don't know. I, he's, for all I know, he's going to be born. Like the next time I go poop, I don't know when he's coming. So I was like, luckily he has a very amazing boss who he could be like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta go. Maybe there's a baby, maybe there's not. So we were, I'm glad that he was understanding. Um, so on at 42 weeks to the day, I started having some contractions when I went to go pick up um, my kids from school. So about 2 PM and they didn't really feel different than they had at first, but then they, it was very clear after maybe 30 minutes or so that they were really consistent and really painful. So I'm like, okay, all right. Well, you know, I, at that point you're trying so hard not to get your hopes up, but you're still like clinging on to any amount of hope you can find. So weird, you know, weird feeling. So again, texted Zachary. I'm like, hey, it's probably nothing, but I just wanted to give you a heads up. This is what I'm feeling. Um, he's like, okay, of course. Like, I'll come home whenever you tell me to. So um, I kind of got through the rest of that evening and, you know, threw a movie on for the kids and just kind of walked, walked around my house and breathed and cursed and, you know, try not to lose my cool. It's hard to be patient with, with four other kids when you're like halfway in labor, halfway just about to cut the baby out yourself. Um, so Zachary gets home from work probably about, I don't know, 6.30 or so. We put the kids to bed at seven and then that's when things like really started picking up. Um, and they were intense and fairly close together. I would say mm, two to three minutes, maybe four minutes at most. Um, and we were up all night together. And of course, um, my fourth Waverly, who um, was not quite, oh, about a year and a half. Um, she was starting to get like a cold and she was up like every hour or two wanting to nurse. Um, so I just kept like bringing her back to her room, nursing her, trying to get her back to sleep and then coming back to my room and like trying to work through contractions. It was just, oh, it was a hard night. Um, and then by about, I'm going to say like four or five in the morning, Zachary texted my friend, Beth, who had been there for the, um, photography for Waverly's birth, um, and said, Hey, like things are happening. I had had bloody show since that, since January 8th or 9th or whenever every day, multiple times a day since then. Um, and then, um, and again that morning and like I was like there's just there's no more there can't be any more in there like they, 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 I've lost all there is to lose of this bloody show like clearly it's time so um Beth came over with breakfast and smoothies it's um and as as um Zachary was texting her about coming over she was like do I have time to stop and get like food and, and smoothies and drinks for you guys, or should I just rush over there? And Zachary's like, I think she's getting close, but I think you have time. And I'm gonna blame him for jinxing this and making labor last for the next 12 hours after that. Because maybe if you wanna said something, because I think we all really thought like, okay, I'm gonna have a baby like soon. But um, 
hours and hours still passed and I did not leave my room this time. Um, the kids kind of slowly woke up one by one in the morning and um, Lennox and Waverly were kind of in and out um, uh, nursing both of them. Lennox is almost weaned now, but um, at the time she was kind of nursing more and Waverly was nursing a lot. And I was in the bath, in the shower. I really didn't leave my room maybe. I don't, I don't even remember if I did at all. Um, everyone just kind of kept bringing me water and I was very like in a cave. Like I, I didn't want any lights on. I didn't want the window open, like it was dark. And um, we just had kind of like soft music playing in the background. And I just wanted it to be a lot more quiet with Waverly. Like we were talking and laughing and we're hanging out. And then so I was like, I don't, I don't want to hang out. I don't want, I don't want that at all. So Beth was kind of in and out of our room. She was mostly taking care of the older kids, like making sure everyone had lunch and whatnot. And I was in front of my bed on my ball. The only thing that really helped the pain was Zachary was like massaging my lower back with a heating pad on my back, like massaging through the heating pad, which was the only relief I could find the entire time, but it helped a lot. <laughs> and then um, finally about, oh my gosh, when was he born? There's too many kids at this time. Um, probably about three o'clock, 3 p.m. in the afternoon. So at this point it had been over 24 hours um and again like all my expectations of birth were just completely shattered because there's no way that it should take this long not for your fifth kid not for not 42 weeks not a, you know um but it did and um it was really hard this was a hard one um so about three o'clock is when i would say things kind of amped up a little bit um and i retreated a lot more to myself where I, you know, I, I wasn't saying anything. I wasn't, I wasn't asking for my water or talking to anyone or really moving. I was just kind of writhing around in front of my bed and about three fifty, we, we know the drill at this point. I, I lean, I lean over the bed. Um, things start to feel really pushy and um, oh, I, I'll back up just a few, a little bit. Um, Waverly was really struggling. So she, you know, she was kind of getting sick and then this was just a lot for her. So Zachary put her in, um, a carry on his back. So he was wearing her, um, as he was kind of like supporting me. So it was really cool. I have pictures, um, of her, like attending the birth with him. It was really cute. And so at about 3.50 is when my body kind of started to push and Zachary <laughs> was um, as far off to the side as he could possibly get. Like he might as well have been outside of the room. He was, <laughs> he was like peeking <laughs> around the corner, knowing what was to come, wanted to look and see what was going on. But he was like, I'm not getting splashed with amniotic fluid again. Um, and again, my water burst and it splashed, like he didn't get splashed, but he still, <laughs> he still like jumped, um, back and <laughs> it just surprises him every time. I love it. Um, and then at that point, um, I remember looking around and saying, 
what the water looked like like was it clear and they're like yeah it looks you know completely clear um I don't I don't remember asking that before but it was just like in my mind like maybe because I knew how far past dates I was I wanted to see if like there was meconium um it wouldn't change anything but I guess I just wanted to know um but again clear no blood nothing um and then I kind of you know, just kind of hung out there for a few contractions. And then, um, I felt the need to push and my body just kind of started, you know, pushing down. And at that point, I remember thinking this is the most painful it's ever been. Um, and actually a few days prior, I had had a dream a very vivid dream of giving birth. And in my dream, um, Revel had a nuchal hand and um, he was born with a nuchal hand and I felt every bit of that <laughs> nuchal hand <laughs> next to his cheek, um, like kind of up by his eyes and his cheek. And we have, again, incredible photos of it. Um, so, out came his head and then um, he kind of twisted a little. Again, I got into like a lunge position and um, then the rest of his shoulders and his body came out and that's when we saw he had a nuchal cord too. Um, so that was really cool. And then Zachary caught him and then kind of, we had wrapped him together and it was like around his neck and then around his waist and through his legs. It was a very long cord. So I definitely think that was, you know, him and his, his wisdom wrapped it around himself so that it wasn't, um, prolapsed, but, um, I had him on my chest and gave him a few pats and rubs on the back. And then he let out a little cry. And then he really cried for, for a while. He was pissed. We were both very angry at this, at this time because, um, he was born at four, I want to say 403. Um, so 26 hours of very intense labor for both of us. Um, and it just was like the most incredible feeling ever to fi like, finally, we've got this baby after 42 weeks and one day of pregnancy, 26 hours of labor, like, wow, we did it. We're here finally. Um, and it was very sweet. Lennox was sitting in my friend Beth's lap while she was taking the photos. And I could hear, I couldn't hear anybody else, but I could hear Lennox the whole time saying, my baby brother's coming out. My baby brother's coming out. And we have it on video and it's just the sweetest little two-year-old voice. Um, and Waverly, so she was there. Waverly was on Zachary's back in the carrier. So they caught him together. Um, it was just, it was beautiful. Definitely the hardest, hardest birth has ever been for me. <laughs> um, but so worth it. Um, and it all kind of disappears once you've got that baby on your chest. It's like, ugh, I don't even care anymore how long you took. I'm just glad you're here. Um, so we sat down and I tried to nurse him. He wasn't, he was really unhappy. Like we were, <laughs> he was, he had definitely felt, I think, the the rage that I had felt during the end of pregnancy because he was not happy and he was not interested in nursing at first. Um, so 
I kind of wanted to stand up and get into bed and, you know, get more comfortable. I was sitting on the floor. So maybe about 10, 15 minutes, I stood up and it surprised me. I felt the placenta like right there at the opening um, of my vagina. And I was like, oh, wow. Cause at the, the past two times it had been, you know, an hour or so at least until it was ready. Um, so Beth went and grabbed the, um, the bowl and I just kind of, you know, gave a little push in the tug, a little, um, cord tension and it came right out into the bowl and it was huge later. She, um, she encapsulated it for me and she weighed it and it was two pounds. <laughs> um, so it was just a nice juicy placenta. Um, so we got into bed. Um, I did feel this, I would say after birth this time, I definitely felt like lightheaded and I lost some big clots and I, I just didn't feel as good as I felt the last two times. And finally I was like, Oh, I, I haven't eaten for at least 26 hours. Probably not before that either, because I wasn't really eating that much to begin with. Um, and I had been drinking water, but not probably not enough to compensate for all this. Um, so I, uh, after nursing him for a little bit, I kind of got in the shower and then I was like, Oh, I have to sit down. So I kneeled in the shower and I called Zach and like, I, I don't feel good at all. Um, I didn't feel like I was losing a lot of blood, but there was definitely more clots than I was used to. So this time I did have, um, Angelica and womb string tinctures. Um, I had them for my last two, but I never opened them. So I was like, can you just bring it? I just want to take a second. So I like looked at the tincture and I didn't feel good, but I didn't feel like I was, I don't know. I didn't feel like my uterus wasn't contracting. It was contracting. So I'm like, okay, I don't think I need the tincture. I think I need food. So I got into bed and at that point my mom had come by and she brought me, um, she brought us, oh, what, what did I ask for? Cracker barrel. She brought me these chicken tender things that were just the best chicken I've ever had. And I think I ate chicken for every meal for like three days after he was born. So I don't know what it was that I needed, but I ate a lot of chicken. <laughs> so, um, after I ate and drank some water, I felt so much better. Um, so I, I think in the moment I was like, oh no, I don't, I don't feel good. Like, I don't like how I feel and I haven't felt this way before. So I was like looking for a solution, but then when I slowed down and like, okay, what do I need? Okay. I need food. I need water. Um, I felt so much better. So I'm glad that I, you know, slowed down and listened to my body. Um, but we just kind of laid in bed for a while. I was nursing Waverly and him together. Um, I caught, we do um, like a part-time elimination communication. I caught his first pee. Um, so it was just kind of cool. Like everything was so um, raw. Everything was really raw after that birth. Um, and we had the same um, doctor come for a, a visit like the day, maybe the day or two after, same thing. They sent over the letter for vital statistics and they've already processed. I'm just waiting in the mail for his birth certificate. Um, so she made it really easy again. Um, the placenta I had, Beth made some pre like pre um, portioned smoothies and then put some chunks of placenta in each of them for me. So I had that for like the first week or so. And then she encapsulated the rest of it and I'm still taking those 
capsules. Um, but this is the first postpartum that I've truly rested. Um, I just don't, I, I don't rest. I'm not, a, I'm not good at that and I'm working on it, but I think I stayed in bed for maybe a solid three days and I've never done that before. Um, and Zachary had a whole week off of work, so he got to stay home. Um, and he, he's just incredible. He like, I didn't leave my bed for those three days and he took care of everything and just kept bringing me breakfast in bed and smoothies and it was good. And now he's a month old and I feel like he's a, not even a newborn anymore and gigantic and I'm ready for the next one. <laughs> oh my God, that was amazing. Um, Sorry, I, I really enjoyed. <laughs> no, I enjoyed every second of that. You're a great storyteller. Um, so at this point, we just kind of reflect back to you kind of sure. some of our takeaways or um, just something that like really sat with us or struck us. Um, so I'm going to ask Rochelle for her takeaways first and then I'll share mine. Well, first of all, now I want to go eat some chicken. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Chicken was all that I needed. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, um, oh my gosh, there's so many things. Well, first of all, I didn't listen to, I didn't read, I didn't go and read your blog yet specifically because like, and I even told Joe and Shalea, I was like, I don't know if I want to go read her birth story or if I want to wait and hear it on the podcast okay, <laughs> and but so go just, read it and look at the pictures because yes <laughs> it, like they are right up it's so cool it's so cool and I oh my God. you don't realize like what happens down there until you've got like a really good close-up picture I'm like wow our bodies are actual magic <laughs> oh my gosh I can't wait to go look at it and so I'm but I'm really glad that I didn't read it yet because it was so awesome hearing it from like straight from you for the first time and, um, I just want to add that, like when you had texted me that morning, I know that you already know this, Alex, but that's never happened to me before where I like okay. felt that was so trippy to me. Like I was like freaking out, like, oh my gosh, I, I got up in the middle of the night, like thinking about you and your baby coming, like, it, and I couldn't go back to sleep. And then, um, you had sent that text in the morning saying like, oh, I got my bloody show. I have chills <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. It was so crazy. Like just that, that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I always felt like really connected to your birth process. And, and then, yes, of course it was like a couple more days before he came. And I love that thread again, like this comes up so much, um, throughout hearing people's birth stories, but like all of those unexpected <laughs> the babies always were challenging your, they're always challenging our expectations of what, mm -hmm. you know, we think is going to happen. And it's, it's almost like stronger, the more babies we have sometimes, because we think like we have, we know our way. And sometimes we do, sometimes we know how things are going to happen, or we have a good idea, but I almost feel like it's like their job <laughs> to <Yeah>. just like, <laughs> and then they just like that for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. To just like fuck us up and be like, you know what? No, like you don't have this figured out whatsoever and to challenge all of that. And so I love that, but I love the fact that throughout all of those challenges and throughout like each, each, um, thing not going the way that you expected or things coming up that were new for you, the level of trust that you had in your own intuition and 
the like I think that tincture you know the, the on Revel's birth the last um birth where you were able to really sit with like the feelings that you were having is the perfect example of like someone just really you just really checking in to yourself and your own power and really um and really being able to listen to that and feel confident in your own decision and so that's just so beautiful there were so many other like images <laughs> that I'm just going to carry forever of you know, you standing up and birthing on the hospital bed <laughs> and the amniotic fluid baptisms. Like that's just so, yes. uh -huh. so classic. <laughs> you went from not only wanting to have a baby in the hospital to getting sprayed with amniotic fluid. So I think <laughs> really the, like the best birth partner. I've got to shout out to my husband. Cause he's like, he's incredible. And he's so, so calm and grounding where I am. Um, not usually <laughs> and I you're just such an inspiration just with I mean you're so active and strong and I love how family-centered your births are um that's so beautiful too just watching that you know how involved your children are and your husband and it's just gorgeous so thank you so much for sharing oh, with us you. and oh, Joe so oh <laughs> Joe what do you think oh my gosh so all of that, everything <laughs> that you just said, I like marked off my little list that oh, no. I had written. No, you're fine. I have more. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah. Um, so one of the things that really striked me right away, as you were telling like your first birth stories and then um, planning for your first free birth was the systems that you had to navigate. Um, and, you know, this is something that Heather and I talked about on Free Birth Friday was induction. And like, is there ever a good reason for induction? And one of the things we wanted to talk about was like systemic issues mm -hmm. um, where, like you said, you had to have a baby before you lost your insurance. Like people have to make those types of decisions all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that really just gave me something to think about like as a birth worker and as somebody like um with a platform and like who talks about birth and how I talk about like there's never a good reason for induction like I really am checking myself now thinking about all of the reasons that people might need to choose induction that aren't because they don't trust their body or they don't trust birth but because we have systems that we have to navigate in order to fucking survive you know the systems yeah. you know um and so yeah it just really made me like check yeah know, my own like privileges like of having health insurance of um mm. you know not needing maternity leave like that's another thing from your other birth like you had to go to the hospital because after the birth because you have to get this proof so that you can be paid because right. you have to feed your family like um so it really I'm so glad that 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 you added that that you shared that with us because I think that'll give so many people something to think about um so that we can stop you know to like check our blind spots and talk about like ways that you know we as birth workers can be harmful in the language that we use or like the narratives that we spin mm -hmm. and like I don't want to make anybody feel bad because they had to choose induction you know um yeah. and so thank you for that lesson yeah. <laughs> from your story of, like I feel like I am I'm a huge perfectionist and that was one of the it was weird it was one of those things that was holding me back from committing to my first free birth was like 
well, I've already had an induct. I've already had two hospital births. Like I'm not crunchy enough or, you know, you know, natural enough to do it this way because I've already, I've done it. So I almost felt like stuck. Like once I made that choice, like I can't go back almost. And I think that it's nice to realize that you can, you can use the system when you want to. And I, I, of course I am very privileged. I am a white female and it is exponentially harder for black and people of color. And those systems are so intertwined with, you know, our healthcare decisions and our options for this and that, like, you just can't escape that how much privilege has to do with it. And I, I wouldn't, I, you know, I, I want to recognize that I was probably treated so well at the hospital because of that. And I was probably given more options because of that. And I want, I, you know, I want other people to realize that just because you don't make those choices or just because different choices look different for you based on, you know, based on your background. And, you know, unfortunately that's the system that we live in is like, Mm -hmm. you know, people make decisions based on safety (laughs) and it like kills, it kills me. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just interesting to see how all those systems are intertwined. I'm so glad that you said that because, oh, sorry, Joe, go ahead. No, you're fine. Go ahead. I'm so glad that you said that, Alex, because I was honestly like debating like whether or not I wanted to address the level of privilege that came up so much in your stories. Yeah, because, because I mean, it's not, you know, this is your birth story. And so we want it to be about your birth, but also like there is so many other layers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's so many other layers. And so I want, Mm -hmm. you know, people that are listening to also be aware if they're not already that like, Mm -hmm. you know, everything that you just said that like privilege did play such a huge part in how you were able to, you know, navigate those systems. But then it's also such an intersectional picture because like Joe said, Mm -hmm. you're also having to navigate them in the first place. You know what I mean? So like we might have, you know, a lot of listeners who never even understand that some people do have to interface with those systems Mm -hmm. and why they would have to, like, why would you ever, you know, and that's like just a super level of privilege, right. That I Mm -hmm. definitely have. Um, And then we have other people that are like, oh my God, how did she get away with that? Or how did she, how was she able to do this? Or, you know, and so. I know a lot of people that, um, you know, I went into, sorry, if I'm going off on a tangent, I went into the hospital, not one single person asked to drug test me or to, you know, why, how did I let this happen or anything like that? Like they believed my story. Mm-hmm. And I know so many women, people of color that would go in in the same same circumstance and they would push for a drug test or push for this and that, or not believe the story or not, you know, mm-hmm. and I have to recognize that I have, you know, I have immense privilege because of the color of my skin and in doing so, hopefully I can, I can, you know, address that and help support other women and, and, and addressing that in their own lives. You know, it's not, it's not as easy as just, oh, we'll just go to the hospital and, you know, ask for documentation and nobody will, will bat an eye because that doesn't happen for everybody. Mm-hmm. You're also just such a boss mom and you really have, you clearly have your shit together and are very type A. 
<laughs> and I think that's something else I that say, also I don't have a problem speaking my mind. I don't have a problem, <laughs> you know, being autonomous and advocating for myself. Um, but I know that advocating yourself is it's freaking hard. Yeah. Hard. And if you or even, you know, it goes along with even if you speak in a different dialect or with different, you know, come from a different area where you maybe don't have the education or um you know, you have different grammar, you know, even those little things you are going, that counts toward, you know, against you in certain places in a system where it's built on racism. So, you know, those types of things come into play, whether we want them to or not. And those types of things come into play as we assess the risks that we're going to take, the risk of going into a hospital after a free birth and, you know, asking for birth certificate documentation like that's a risk that I took and it might not be a risk that somebody else will take because of systemic racism Mm -hmm. yeah that's such a good point and that's like one of the things that I try to talk about is how like some people's risks have nothing to do with their body and Mm. their baby like and like sometimes it's not it's not worth the risk of like having your children taken from you you Mm. know it's just not um, and so I just really love this conversation and glad that we're talking about it. Um, another thing, speaking of risk that really struck me, um, is when you said that you thought you were going into labor at 34 weeks mm. and you were really able to like assess your own boundary and be like, this is not something that I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just really love that. Cause we're all so different. Like, I think I would be okay to birth a baby home at 34 weeks, mm-hmm. but you know, but you don't. And like, we both pretty much know the same exact things about birth. We have all of the same information yet. We still will make different choices. And I like, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think that's like a really beautiful part, um, of birth. And the last thing that I'll say (laughs) about your birth is that I want to call this episode $4 birth because you said you spent $4. (laughs) <laughs> and I love that because so many people think you've got to buy all these things. Like they're trying to like, they, people are going out online and buying midwife kits, like spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on mm-hmm. all of these things that you absolutely do not I, need. That is, damn. It's like, okay, you're not going to use We'll find another way to take your money. Like, no, stop. And if you want to, I think, I think you've actually made the point. Like if you want to have all those tools of a midwife, like just hire a midwife. Like if you're going to be using a Doppler and getting an ultrasound, you know, and all these things, fine. Great. I love that you have that choice, but why, (laughs) but then what do you, you know, what are we deciding here? It's like, you're floating the line in between, which is totally Mm -hmm. fine, but you don't, everybody you can have you too can have a four dollar birth <laughs> <laughs> that's the episode you too can have a four dollar birth I love it I always it. tell people all you really need is towels <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. all you really need boobs vagina towels <laughs> really good water bottle <laughs> yeah exactly I love it well thank you so much again Alex that was oh gosh, so beautiful thanks. It was such an exciting journey to go on with you through all of your births. Um, And for anyone that's super intrigued by your stories, thinks you're a badass, wants to connect with you, 
is there anything else you want to share with us first of all um any last words you want to share and how we can find you and connect with you um if you're interested in people doing so yeah um I just want to say thank you both so much. You go, both have been such an inspiration for me. Um, I look towards both of you a lot for, you just have great, you know, great information. Um, and you really held space for me at the end of a really hard pregnancy. So I appreciate it. Um, I share a lot of everyday life with five kids on my Instagram. It's yours wildly, Alex. And that's my blog as well, yourswildlyalex.com. Um, and there's a ton of birth photos on there. So one thing that I find really precious about free birth is having family um, and my kids like truly see what birth looks like in an undisturbed state. And I am really excited for them to maybe be a birth partner to someone one day and be like, wow, my mom showed me that this is normal. This is cool. This is beautiful. So, um, I think if there's like photos or videos or anything, um, there's cool photos on my blog that you can show your kids and let them know like, Oh, look, kids can be involved too. So I think that's a really big part of it. Um, but yeah, I appreciate being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I can't wait to go look at your blog now. <laughs> Well, thank you again so much for sharing your stories with us. Um, it was amazing. Um, I'm so happy to know you and to have connected with you again through free birth. Um, and everybody should definitely follow Alex because shit's funny over there. Like <laughs> you crack me up all the time. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are honored to share this birth medicine with you and hope that you will join us again soon. If you'd like to send us your thoughts, ideas, or any aha moments you had from the show, you can do so by clicking the link in our show's description. Follow us on Instagram at birth.medicine.podcast. Please subscribe to the show and share the medicine.